Welcome to the Inspired Wild Podcast. I am Trevin Stoltzfus, and I am back in the office. We are a little bit of downtime before Christmas comes in. I'm sitting across from Lane, Lane Walter, and Garrett Druck, and we are going to catch you guys up on Lane's exciting Kansas whitetail hunt. That was uh, that was an interesting deal, wasn't it? Dude, it was awesome. It was yeah. awesome. The whole, from when you started talking to me about applying for it to uh, up when I was sitting in the stand, it was, it was a blast, man. There were some challenges. Um, I think it was, it's such a small property. This is a property that I have access to that my buddy, uh, one of my best friends was raised on this farm and they've sold off a lot of it, but there's still a pretty good chunk there. It's just not, doesn't hold a lot of deer cause there's just not a lot of timber. But it is Kansas, and it is the land of giants. So there is that. And you never know. I mean, there's been years past where I've had deer walk by. I had no idea who they, who they were, where they came from. They were just cruising through and mature bucks. So, you know, it's one of those things. And I was, I was excited to, to kind of share, uh, you know, we talked about maybe doing Missouri together. That just didn't work out with your schedule. We talked about Kansas together. Um, the problem with Kansas is there's only one stand you can really hunt with a south wind. It's the Jenny Gate. And so when you start lo- stepping back and looking, uh, you know, if you have a northwest wind, there's a couple good stands. You could sit uh, like the Twisted Timber stand, which is uh, on that ridgeline north side of the property. And I could sit uh, the ridgeline on the yeah. south side. And we'd be seeing different deer. We'd be, um, but you got to have the right wind. So it was one of those deals where it was like, okay, let's see what happens. And then the fact that I had drawn Iowa. Puts a whole new twist into it. Right, right. So let's take it from our plan of you getting in. Um, I mean, we had some challenges, even as cameramen go. Because oh, at yeah. this point in the year, we were spread thin. Thin. I'm going to take you back to where you said there's one challenge with Kansas. There's actually two. The first one is ponying up almost $600 for a whitetail tag, <laughs> which when you called me, it was like, hey, let's do Kansas. Like, All right, cool. You got to apply. I was like, sweet. And I logged on the website, and I about choked. I see all these people complain about how much Colorado charges for a bull elk tag. And I paid about that for a buck tag, mm-hmm. for a whitetail tag. So that was the first challenge. I was like, all right, I'm uh, I'm committed here if I draw this tag. Right. This is this is happening. So that was – then we talked about how playing the odds to get it to where basically we draw. We drew, and then we start talking about it. I'm like, all right, I'm committing time to Kansas out of everything because that's – Yeah, it was an investment. Yeah. Well, and it, it, even at that time, remember my debacle? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. So you, I called you, 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 you. I think you texted me and you said, "Hey, I drew Kansas." I'm like, "Oh, I should look." So I log on, and it doesn't even show that I even applied. I remember that you were. And I'm like, out. "What?" Like, so of course I get on the phone and just note to self: it is not the best time to call a Department of Wildlife Services or DOW or CP. You know, any Parks and Wildlife or fishing game three days after the draw don't call them then i was on hold for like 35 minutes and i finally get the gal on and she goes yep you never applied 
She says, do you have your receipt for applying? I said, I said, ma'am, I know I applied. I walked my buddy through and he drew. I know I applied at the exact, the exact same, same time. time. She's like, well, do you have your receipt? And I said, well, I mean, I, I, I don't think I do. I, I, I mean, I'm trying to rack in my brain. And I'm like, how did I, how did, I mean, I knew you could, it's possible not to draw. Yeah. Because uh, Sean Greathouse, who hunts a little bit east of us in Kansas, he had not drawn. And two or three years earlier, he had not drawn. So I knew there was a possibility you couldn't draw, but I had been kind of fortuitous, if you will, and had always drawn that tag. And uh, so I'm just beside myself. And I'm like, well, okay, I didn't draw. And then I hung up. Big mistake. I hung up with her. So then I get on and I do a Google search in my in my Gmail for Kansas hunting. Sure enough, I have a receipt. Well, I applied. So I call back. And 35, 40 minutes later of hold time, someone else gets on the phone. And this gal is just really nice. Uh, the first one, she was a little gruff. This one was really nice. And I tell her, I said, you know, ma'am, here's what the situation that says I didn't, I didn't even apply. And yet I'm looking at the at the my receipt something screwed up here and she goes okay she goes look at the top right what is your number and it's it's a hunter number you know your hunter yep. like a whatever. customer id yeah, number yeah exactly and i gave it to her and she goes okay yeah i see you applied i see that you applied here and but you didn't draw it i said so i just didn't draw the tag she goes no you didn't draw the tag and I said, well, then why does this... I'm looking at the website and it says I didn't. She goes, well, what's the customer number? that They had given me two different customer numbers. So what was weird was I'm looking on it and the customer number where it didn't even say I drew, I had 2016's buck tag where I'd drawn it. You know, you can see your history. And then... So I had two ID numbers. So I'm like, crud, darn it. And I said, well, I didn't draw. She goes, no, sir, sorry. Okay. So I get off and I start thinking... I'm going to log on with this other customer number. And I did. There it is. You've been successful. You actually did draw. And I did. Yeah. So I don't know how all, and I'm like, well, I'm just, I'm going to let it go. And when the tag shows up in my mailbox, I did, I know I'm, I'm good. And it did. It yeah. did. But that was, it scared me. And what I need to do actually before uh, turkey season, I need to call them and have them merge those two numbers. You got me thinking, maybe I can get a couple of different customer ID numbers for Colorado. How many of those do you think I can get? Yeah, um, I'm pretty sure the old social security number and all that stuff. I mean, you would think you, my address think. was identical on both of them. All my information was identical on both of them. I mean, not a, I'm 138 pounds here and 142 here. No, I mean, it's identical, right? So I think somehow I I, I don't know I I don't I don't I don't got to figure it out so it is what it is anyway so that was my um, challenge I guess as we went into it so now let's go forward we've been in Missouri to the hunt let's let's yep. actually go forward we've been in Missouri for a week and you're coming driving from Colorado. 
we have about 17 vehicles it seems like we had we had way too many vehicles this year because people were coming at different times and then if they needed yep. to leave they needed their own vehicle and, and i had two vehicles with me because i'd driven over and then flown back after the missouri youth hunt with the with levi and addison and, and, the, and the ray family so we get back we get figured out you're going to come in we don't have a cameraman for you specifically because tanner's coming with me which i'm going to be heading to iowa and all of this is because i drew an iowa tag all this is up in the air so i think the week before you say hey i got a guy that can come and fill the gap because just for a couple days until garrett got garrett was flying in what were you doing you had a hunt didn't you i had my own hunt in colorado so you were hunting you were going to be done with that get on a plane and fly pick up the yep. Suburban, which got dropped off there from other cameramen oh, yeah. going There was like west. two and a half weeks of logistical nightmares to get this all figured out. Oh, but yeah. We made it work. Yeah. It worked out. So tell us about how you met Levi, because that was a unique situation, and he bailed us out of basically two days of filming, which... Yeah, which was awesome, an awesome two days of sitting in the tree stand, really. Um, Levi reached out to me after I had won the Badlands Film Festival, I think, and he heard me on one of on a different podcast, might have been South Cox's podcast or somebody, and just started hitting me up with some questions on cameras. He was getting into filming and had a couple of different questions here and there, and he was really good about being proactive. And he would only hit me up if he ran into like conflicting information or hey, what do you prefer on this? Instead of just like hitting me up with really basic questions that you can Google and find the information on. And after a while, I was like, hey, dude, give me a call because this is too complex for me to text you. And so then we started talking on the phone. And I'd say we talk on the phone once a month, once every other month, and just different things. He'd call me up if he ran into editing problems. Whenever he'd run into premiere problems, which everybody <laughs> runs into, mm-hmm. he'd call me with those to see if I'd had it. And we just stayed in contact. And he started getting better at his filming. He'd put together a small film and send it to me and be like, hey, what do you think? And I'd give him a little bit of critique here or there, what I thought. And yeah, just grew into a friendship. I've never actually met him, but then when we in were person, in mean? person, yeah, yeah, in person, yeah. I've never actually met him. And then we run into where we're kind of short on the cameraman for a couple of days and he only lived five hours, six hours away in Oklahoma. And so I was like, Hey, what do you think about bringing this guy in to see? And well, out, we had to have you know, somebody, yeah, we had to have somebody sitting in there or else, so I, or else it was going to be, um, one of us wasn't going to be hunting. Right. Right. So, right. Yeah, yeah. So he came up, um, grabbed our cameras and luckily when he started buying more camera gear and stuff he asked me what i prefer and i really liked my switch to sony so he was already running sony cameras he's got a 6500 which is a little bit different but still a similar setup right and so he was able to integrate pretty quickly into what we were running and yeah and it was great because he hunts whitetails He's primarily a whitetail hunter. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of funny sitting in the tree stand where he's asking me camera questions and me as the hunter asking him whitetail questions. So and that was fun. Garrett, you actually talked to him. I mean, when we kind of, because here we are, you say, hey, I got this guy, this buddy that can run camera. Well, we've heard that before. And oh, you yeah. know how many times that works out? Zero normally so you kind of did the old vetting process in a way i mean we were shorthanded and oh yeah yep it went through things with him made sure he understood what we were looking what was for. your first impression i mean did you feel like he at least had a simple yeah, grasp just, just by the questions he asked he knew his way around a camera okay. so i wasn't too worried about that and like you said he knew whitetail which i how long has it been lane since you oh, i haven't hunted whitetail uh, in like white 
seven or eight years at least, and that was Nebraska. And I didn't know anything about the wind and what wind I want. I just knew I'd get in the tree stand. I probably wouldn't see deer coming from whatever direction the wind was coming from. I was also hunting public land that was small strips and not a lot of options anyway. But now after learning what I've learned on this hunt with Trevin, I can probably go back and look at where I was hunting and see how bad I was screwing it up for myself on stuff. But it was, yeah. Well, and and, it's been and, a while. I didn't know. I will just go in with I had a very basic knowledge of whitetails. And, and I, which for wasn't me, much. I this has been such a learning experience over the past ten years. I mean, Adam has been extremely influential in helping me understand the correct way to hunt whitetail. And Aaron and Travis in Missouri, Phil Francone, who's of course our our neighbor of the property we hunt there in uh, in Kansas. And the cool thing about Phil, who runs Mindel USA, um, Phil has the barn that we stay in, which is nice. It's a little uh, loft and stuff, but it's heated and there's a a bathroom and a, a shower. I mean, it's it's simple, but it's all you need. Um, so that's where we kind of called our base camp there for when you got in and you were adamant about getting in the stand the moment you got there and so i'm like dude you're gonna have to leave early because i have never been able to leave and get in get unloaded and get in a stand i've never been able to do it because it's just it's an 11 hour drive and you know you you leave it three in the morning while well, you're really leaving at four in the morning because you know and, and then by the time so anyway so we were there early. I was trying to get everything ready. So the moment you pulled in, we could literally get your stuff on and get you in the tree. And it was a scramble. Yeah, it was definitely a scramble. And the, and the hard part is you uh, you didn't know the locations. You'd never set foot on the property. I you know I dropped you all the, the waypoints, all the stand locations, all that stuff on Onyx. But it's different, especially with me, because I'm like, you only access this stand with this wind. You only access it access it this way you you know i'm very particular because the property is so darn small it's not small it's huge i mean it's almost it's a little over a section but the property we're hunting where the area we're hunting the timber is so small and that we know that's where the deer are so uh with that being said i was pretty particular pretty particular about how you accessed how you got in the stand, what wind you hunted. So I was trying to show that to you too and still get you in the dadgum stand for the first evening. So Levi showed up early, which was nice because then Tanner kind of was able to go over some different stuff. Here's what you need to do. And then when you showed up, we basically said, here, put this on. <laughs> here's a, you know, here, here's a hunter safety system harness. Here's what you need. Um, get your bow. Let's go. And boom, off we went. And we did. We did exactly that. Went to each stand location. And I, we didn't go into some of them because some of them I'm just like, I yeah, just, pointed just pointed because I'm like, I don't want to go in access. there. Right. And then we got you up uh, in the stand. And, and prior to that, I had been, I had made it my mission to send you every picture of every deer I had passed in Missouri to try and get you to start thinking about age and, um, and, and the deer management portion of it, which to me is 10 times more important than size. I would yeah. rather shoot a one antlered five-year-old than a 170-inch three-year-old. And people say, you're crazy. Well, I am. But I'm also at that juncture in my hunting 
journey, if you will. Um, and with the property, I understand now why Adam was so adamant about, I'm not shooting that buck. And I'm like, what are you, he's a great buck. Shoot him, go yeah. shoot him. And, and I was like, no, he's three-year-old. He's a great buck in terms of antler size. Right. That's what yeah. most people refer to, yeah. Right, I mean, and that's exactly, and I had for years. I mean, I don't know how many three-year-olds I've shot because three to four is tough. I mean, you can, you can get, I feel like I can look at them now and look at their face and, uh, you know, their antler bases, look at their belly, look at their back, look at the, you know, and each, t each part of the year, it's different. In the summer, they all look thin because they have their summer coats on. The moment that rut starts kicking in, everything blows up. Even a two-year-old, like I was showing you that yeah. video of that a buck I think is two. And, um, you know, you go from that two to that three-year-old looks like a thoroughbred to the four-year-old that looks like a linebacker to the five, six, seven. Now you're getting into bodybuilders. That's, that's I mean, they just yeah. look huge. Um, and when you're not comparing deer to deer standing next to each other, it's, uh, it's a lot like shooting a mountain goat. Oh, yeah. If you don't have things to compare them to, the whole presence of them can look you know the antler configuration with the size of the body and all this and all of a sudden you think you're looking at a nine inch billy and you're looking at, eight you're looking at an eight inch billy and he's you're right and he's small a great still a great wonderful trophy amazing thing but when you don't have something to go oh but look at this nanny exactly. you know this nanny's bigger exactly. and the billy should be bigger okay so that's probably a, a, exactly. a three or a four younger. year old yeah yep. that's exactly what happened to me right so in the situation like that i'm texting i'm in, sitting in missouri where i have good signal and i'm texting um i think i even was texting you pictures of bucks as they were walking by you were yeah you were and and which like, was awesome because i this? was home and i'd get it and i'd look at it and i'd think I'm like well this and then i'd text you not just, oh, I think that's four and a half. I'd text you, I think that's four and a half because of this, this, and this. And you'd write me back, those are good points, but look at this, this, and this. I think he's this. Right. Or, yeah, you're right, but also look at this. And it was awesome to go from the very first couple, man. I was so far off, it wasn't even funny because I had no idea what I was so looking at. I remember a very similar situation to you. Remember when Dustin Etheridge started hunting in Missouri? And he was very new to the whitetail game. And brand new to the whitetail archery game and you Trevor, were trying to do the same thing to him you were sending him pictures you were sending him trail cam pictures you were bracketing things out and i remember filming with dustin for two years and he's constantly scrolling through pictures on his phone of trail cameras and these are all two-year-olds these are all three-year-olds and we would see a deer and he'd ask to see the camera which I just recorded that deer on and he's going back and he's toggling yeah. through and it's just back and forth. And I, I he, he definitely felt the pressure, but I, it, it's a very similar situation to what you're just describing lane of having that same knowledge base. I don't want to say I felt pressure from it. I was, it was great. Well, just I drinking tried to from relieve, that fire hose. I tried to relieve a little bit of pressure. I'm going to give you, I, and I told you, I'd give you, you know, I, you shoot what you want. Now, uh, in the future, you don't have a pass. <laughs> Um, so Dustin that. in Missouri passed a buck, a nice 10 point that made a scrape right below his stand. It was getting dark, but he passed that buck. Guess what? Got shot. Open a day rifle. Yep. That buck. That Same buck. thing with me. Last, not this year, but last year I passed a buck like two days into the hunt. And um, I, t I even turned the camera and I talk about that. It's a three-year-old. He's really, I mean, he's a beautiful deer. Uh, I, mean, I would be happy 
happy to take that as far as an antler score and look. But he's three. Deer died. First freaking, first freaking open in the morning. Now, um, yeah, but you can't control that. Uh, the difference is the buck I did shoot that year was a four-year-old that scored 25 points less than that other deer, but he was a four-year-old. And we knew, you know, so there's something to be said for when we talk about whitetail as a chess match, um, it's not just about the movement and the shot uh, selection and opportunities that we provide ourselves through stand locations, wind, all that stuff. It's also the bigger picture, which is an age class. Now, there's a couple things that you can make a mistake on. Um, and... I used to use this as an example. If, if you think a buck's four, subtract a year. For me, I did that to m- for myself when I was learning. I like that. Because most likely I want to shoot that deer, right? And the moment you're adrenaline, you start seeing things and you're like, okay, that's a mature deer, that's a mature deer. And then the second thing is if you have to ask, you probably shouldn't shoot him. That's that's the really mo- solid that's advice. the most influential piece that I depend on when I look at a deer. And you know, I can show you footage from Missouri on two different bucks where I show you that footage and I'll ask you, what do you think? How old do you think this buck is? And I guarantee you on both of these deer, even though they're not 120 inch deer, scoring wise, antler scoring wise, I guarantee you'll look at them and go, yeah, that's mature deer. So, whereas these others, I can go through and show four, five, six other bucks I pass up, and you're like, oh, that's that's a good buck, but I can see why you're, uh, yeah. I'm not sure, yeah, you know. And, you know, I might be wrong on uh, a couple of these. There might be a couple of four-year-olds, if you look at humans, you know, you look at a kid that's 14, and he looks 18. You look oh, at yeah. a kid that's 21, and he looks 13. I mean, I was one of those kids, you know. <laughs> I was little, so I was... 18 years old and I look like I was 14. So I'm sure there's a little bit of that where you miscalculate, but being able to look at something and go, okay, there's no question. That's yep. a, that's a good feeling. Blades, for example. Oh, when I saw know, him, you knew first night, there was no in the stand, I chance. saw him. There was no, I was like, Oh, that's a shooter buck. Yeah. I saw him at 300 yards away and I could just tell. And I, you weren't even I sure what's on his antlers. antlers right. I could just see his, right. it was a horse. Right. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's, I think that's that's the first thing. And speaking of blades, I mean, I, honestly, on this property, and I think I shared this quite a bit with you. This he was our number one target buck. He was the buck that we have trail cameras of for four years prior, thinking that the first year we got him, he was three, and he was a good buck then. And then we've seen him grow, and we've seen him advance. And the reason we call him Blades is, as I've said on some of the other podcasts about Kansas, is He's got these um, eye guards that are um, probably two inches thick, you know, seven inches tall, but uh, two inches two inches wide, I should say. You know, so they look like a blade of a knife. Yeah, and that was one of the first first uh, attributes where I said, oh, "I'm calling him Blades, man. He's got cool, cool brow tines." And I used to make fun of people naming deer and stuff. But I totally get why they do it now because you have to know it's, what you're talking about. It's, it's not like way. mule deer where it's like, oh, we're out hunting. We saw this buck. You're not going to really be inventorying mule deer the way that you're going to 
inventory and that's kind of a weird term to use but that's basically what you're doing you're seeing what you have in your property and you got to be able to talk about we saw this instead of we saw that big buck again okay well what's big buck right it's it, way easier exactly. to have a name on it. It, it, and and it and you can get as cute as you want i mean like like the 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 deer that that i had the encounter with the other nine point the other uh mature home buck i'm gonna call him a home buck meaning that these are the two bucks that we saw grow up uh sprout from nothing and velvet all the way through and they stayed on the property during the rut there i have a couple others that have disappeared they went somewhere else to rut and that happens blades did that the first two years didn't see him again till february he came back um but these two stayed so we were getting pictures of him so it was a nine point in blades now i call the nine point the ninja nine gotta have a name for him just because of something that happened that you'll have to listen to the other podcast on. But, um, hint, hint, hint. <laughs> but then next year, if he makes it through or, you know, whatever happens, you go back, you're seeing configuration. How do you know it's the same buck? Well, you, it's antlers. Uh, it, it, you, I'm not good enough to look at a, a buck's face after he shed his antlers and go, oh, that's Blades, you know? I mean, it's not that way. I got one doe on there I call the floppier doe. Yeah, you gave me a permission uh, I, to shoot I, her, too. Did you shoot her? No, I didn't see you her. Didn't, okay. Um, and we've had her on camera for three years. Well, it's because she's got, like, the cartilage broken in one ear, so we know her. But you're not going to do that. So you're looking at antler growth. That's how you're, that's how you're classifying. So we've got one deer, and actually two deer, and one really good deer, and we get you up in the stand, and Tanner and I say, good luck. We'll see you back at the house. And that's, Take us through that. So we get in the stand. Uh, we get up there. I've never set up a camera arm in the stand because I don't film whitetail stuff because I've been kind of like sitting in a stand is hard. It doesn't go well with me at all. Yeah, I was wondering how that was going to work out. ADHD, everything else that goes with it. <laughs> I just don't have the patience for it. So we get in the stand. We get it all set up get my bow up there i'm like all right cool now i just sit here and wait and 30 minutes into it there's this big horse of a deer out in the field just running across and i'm like oh there's buck there's buck and levi looks up i'm like oh man that's a shooter buck before i even pick up my binos to look at him or anything I'm like that's a shooter buck and he goes oh yeah that's a shooter buck <laughs> and he starts coming at us and he goes into the trees and I'd, uh, I'd rattled just for a second, just to mess around, just to see like what I'm doing or grunt called. And he's like, man, I bet he was coming to that. So he disappeared in the trees for a second. And Levi, my cameraman knows way more about whitetails cause he hunts them all the time. than I know nothing. He's like, I bet he's going to circle around. That's what they do. And he starts and then he pops out a hundred yards away from us and he starts coming in, but there was like a oil field, um, jack pump or something every like minute it would make a weird noise and when he was coming in that weird noise popped off and he looked off to his right to the north and just was like and just sat there and stared at that and then turned around and went back the way he came in so um there's a windmill ah, and i, I bet, bet that's, that's what, what you were hearing and if it's still enough but yet just a slight breeze you literally hear a eat that's yeah it's, it's that's like exactly. a creak like almost like an old screen door opening i bet that's what yeah when you saw him pop out did you grunt at him no no no, no. as soon as i saw him and it, like I'm i thought to when, when you like, first talked to me about it i thought he was coming in and he grunted at him and he turned around and i'm like no don't no, no, do no, no, that no, no, because no, no, yeah you wouldn't want to grunt it's like uh cow calling at a, 
a bull that's coming in. And you don't tell them where you're at. Yeah, because they'll pinpoint you. Right. Okay. So yeah, no, I hadn't. I, I we had Cal called or not Cal called. You <laughs> back in, I had drunk called, but just blindly of, hey, does this sound good? And he's like, well, try this. And then I did that. Will that sound good? And he's like, yeah, that sounds good. So then I did it one more time. Then I set the call down, and then he's like five minutes later out comes him out in the middle of the field coming around and yeah that okay. i didn't it Good. was yeah didn't make that rookie of a mistake. I have a little bit of calling, but I do get aggressive on my calls, so that's a very good question. So one other question to tie into the whole calling thing, because you guys mentioned the similarities of a bull coming in, you don't want to call at him. If a buck's coming in, you don't want to call at him. In in elk hunting situations, if a bull can see you or see where the call is coming from, generally you don't call. Correct. Right? Correct. Because Correct. he is expecting something to be there. Right. He needs to see something. If he doesn't he's see hang it, up. Things unless, don't compute. Unless you can pop a Montana decoy yeah, up. If you have a which, decoy up. That, then it becomes, right. now you've got two senses, if you will, with which to attract him with. So, yes. It's confirmation right. that something's there. But so you guys didn't have a Montana decoy set up. We didn't have any up, decoy right. set up, yeah. So can you take that same scenario and apply it to Whitetail, where if you're in an open field like you were laying, and there's a buck well, off in the distance, and you make a grunting noise, and that buck does not see anything there, well, and I'm pointing at Lane, but I don't think Lane has no the idea. I have no idea. I'm going to defer well, to Trev on for, this first, one. First, first, explain the setup. Let's explain so people get a fit, feel. We are literally set up... Um, in a fence row but it's got big trees and it opens up to a big field that's normally would be is it corn it should have been corn this year okay so lane is literally sitting in a tree stand overlooking the entryway to this field where the tractors would come in and and go out and there would be corn but this year they couldn't get corn in so it's a barren field literally nothing which I was really excited about this summer when there was six foot high weeds, but then they went in and they dissed it so it's dirt. There's nothing. Yeah, that's but what it all was. in June, we'd come in and put a food plot. So we have about a half, no, third acre feed food plot right below the tree that you're sitting in. So you can see a lot of country. You can cover a lot of country. And that's where you happen to look up and you saw blades pop out on the other side of the field 400 yards away maybe 300 i think is what when, when he, when he yeah. first popped out okay yeah. and he comes at that diagonal and him hauls around and then there he is popping out at 100 and he holds up yep and then he turned around went off the way he came came back never saw him again so then we sit for an hour and a half and I hear something. The one nice thing about this, like sitting in a tree stand, is you can you can kind of sit there and find a game to play like Risk um, on your phone. And just I was sitting there messing with that, and I hear something coming. Sit the phone down, get my bow out, and up comes this little buck that, I mean, obviously wasn't a first-day shooter. Had it been like Wednesday, I still probably would have shot that thing. Uh, Trev went to the bathroom. And uh, so he comes by right underneath my stand jumps out goes over to the food plot hangs out in the food plot for a couple minutes and leaves it was totally awesome wait how long was this after like an hour after the blades maybe then we sit there for the rest of the night see some does out in the field um coyotes start popping off right as it's getting dark and one pops off like 50 yards away so i get out my little predator called and i just blow on it twice and next thing i know there's this coyote 20 yards in front of my stand 
but Levi goes, how come you, and he runs off and he goes, how come you didn't shoot it? And I was like, I couldn't see him, dude. Like that was, he was looking through the camera where he has the ISO cranked up and you could see really well. It's almost like night vision now with these new cameras. And I couldn't see him through, I couldn't have seen if I wanted to, but he runs off and that concluded the first night, which was awesome. It was fun. Just a great first night to get in there, come back, start talking to Trev and find out that we're the, we show him the footage and it turns out I'm like one of the first guys to actually see blades in person. Yeah. Sub well, 300 yards. Honestly, here's the deal. You guys weren't sure because of the distance. I think he was running a 70 to 200. So he didn't have like the one to four. Yeah. So it, it, he's not that big size wise. Uh, Zoom wise, I should say, not yeah. not size wise. Zoom wise, so you, it's not like he zoomed. He zoomed all the way out, but the deer still looks small. Yeah. So I grab the card and I'm like, well, let's see what deer it is. You know, I'm thinking maybe it's the nine point. Maybe we have another deer that's in there. Moment I see him, I'm like, that's blades. You guys thought it was a big eight because of the fact that yes. on his right side, his G two is really short comparatively, and then his G three is. 16 inches humongous so that and i was just so amped up looking at him that i wasn't really counting stuff that's the last thing i want to do when i have a buck coming into my stand is looking at his headgear (laughs) i was trying to just look at his body and then hope that he comes in for me to get a shot so i I can honestly say it was a little i was a little bit jealous of the actual first time somebody's ever seen him in daylight and got video footage of him was you but on the flip side, the fact that he was on his feet in daylight goes back to the old theory. And I'm going to say theory because I think it's true, but I think it's still a theory is that bucks become easier. Mature bucks become easier to, to kill when they hit that six, seven year old um, age bracket. Because this deer has, I've hardly ever even gotten a picture of him on a trail camera in daylight, let alone him running around. And if you talk to the gurus of whitetail, Bill Winky or, you know, any of these guys from, you know, uh, guys that whitetail is what they know. A a mature four or five year old deer is one of the hardest to kill. They hit six, they hit seven. All of a sudden, it's almost like they get a little bit stupider. Is that a word, stupider? More stupid? Like brave or custom? Yeah. Complacent? I, I, maybe that's a good, a better word. But anyway, they start showing up. And, and I've, I've heard this numerous times. Well, if we're thinking blades around six or seven, you know, it should be that. And I'll be darned if he didn't do that this year, yeah. which he's never done. So, I mean, the first, the first couple of years, we were, um, we were just glad to have him back in February, you know, when he showed back up on camera. Then the next year he was here, but we never saw, you know, he was around, but we never got any, hardly any trail camera pictures of him in daylight. And then this year we got trail cam pictures of him in daylight. Here you are sitting your first sit ever in Kansas and you get video of him. And I'm like, and I'm going to Iowa the next morning. I'm like, what in the heck am I doing? What am I doing? This shit, you know, this is a deer I've been dreaming about for four years, three, three years. This would have been the fourth yeah. year. 
and I'm heading to Iowa. Well, and Phil's saying the same thing. He's yeah, like, what is Trevin doing? Why is he leaving? Right. But, you know, Iowa is a place that has 180-inch bucks behind every tree, and even the does will go 140. <laughs> right? I mean, that's, Those are, that's, that's, that's the rumor. That's the mystique, right? Yeah. So I have this Iowa tag. It's taken me five years, and the property, the way it sets up, is going to be fine. It's even better if just one guy hunts it. And I'm like, I'm just going to let you hunt it. We're going to go see if we can kill a buck. I was hoping I could go kill a buck there. You kill a buck. I come back. Then I can finish hunting Kansas. That was the game plan. That's the game plan. So next morning we get up, figure the wind, get you in the stand. Yep. Well, or or direct you. You, you get loaded up and yep. you guys take off. And Tanner and I load up and head to Iowa. So we get in the stand. Way before sunup. And mean, you're sitting the ridge the line, ridge line which is a good, nor uh, any west wind works great for this because it sits on the edge of a food plot and it drops off 70 foot. Would you say it's at oh, least? Oh yeah, it's a I, big drop. It's, a, it's perfect because your wind just goes off into never, never. I want to say we had a, like a northwest wind yeah, too. Yeah. And that's where the, we heard the buck coming from originally. But like you said, it drops off so much, your wind just goes up and they're not going to smell you. And so we had... We heard something crossing the river over there nine, ten minutes after shooting light. And then ten minutes later, we hear something come in, and I'm all ready. I get my bow out. And then five, six minutes later, we actually – I see a buck coming. I see something coming. How did he come from? Did he come from the draw, or did he come right down the ridge line? Right down the ridge line. Okay. He was coming right up the ridge line. And just comes out, and I get a first glimpse at him, and I see his antlers. I'm like, okay, cool. And then I see his face and his body. I'm like, I don't know. I'm, I'm pumped. And I, was, I look at Leave. I'm like, I think he's a shooter. He goes, are you sure? And I was like, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm pumped, man. Like, this, this is cool. And I'm shaking because it's a little chilly. And he walks right underneath the stand. And when he gets behind this little part of the tree, I draw back, and I hear Levi, I don't have him. I don't have him. I'm like, don't worry. I'm not shooting. <laughs> and he gets out, and he's sitting there 20 yards right in the middle of the food plot is there other are there other deer there? no he's by himself he's, by himself. he's okay. completely by himself that's the first thing we've seen mm -hmm. when we got in the stand something bigger than a squirrel was like milling around behind or underneath us but it wasn't shooting light yet we couldn't tell what it was we're pretty sure it wasn't a deer we think it was like a porcupine or something bigger than a squirrel raccoon or something raccoon yeah. or something yeah God, and there's a ton of raccoons on that property i, I would believe it and so nothing else is around he just stops right there and i shoot and he just spins hit him hard spins in a circle drops down like after going like four yards like, all right sweet i'm pretty sure i just like i still don't even know what happened i'm pretty sure i just smoked him and then he sits there for 10 10 minutes and then gets up and moves another 10 yards i was like oh shoot he's not hit as hard as i thought and now he moves out of the food plot now? Moves, now he's out of the food plot. But at first he went down just on the other edge of the food plot where I couldn't get a shot through the trees. There's one area in that stand where I just can't shoot through the trees. That's where he goes. And then he moves another 10 yards further right there. And I see his head go down. I'm like, all right, cool, money. Like I'm shaking, I'm pumped, like high-fiving with Levi. We're thinking this buck's going to go down. We're going to sit here for an hour and then get out and get him. We're texting you. And then... Which by now, we're in... You're Tanner on the and road. I are in Kansas. We're on the north side of Kansas City, and you're telling me you shot a buck. And I'm and like, like, son of a, I wish I was now there. Now I'm like, now why am I going to Iowa? Yeah, yeah. Now you're really going. Yeah, I'm really second your head. guessing myself. Yeah. And so we we're sitting there, and we start talking like probably a little bit louder, and all of a sudden that buck that buck pops up, and he starts walking away and, from you, 
away from me. Oh, no, he's walking across the food plot, but in the trees. And I'd ranged it before, but with the way he's walking, I don't have time to range him and shoot. And I guess 35 yards. Is he walking from right to left for you or left? He's walking from left to right now. Okay. 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 And walking north. Right. And I was like, man, he doesn't look hit. Like, I know he's hit. Like, I have all this blood on the ground where I shot him, but he's not acting hit. And Levi goes, dude, you got to put another arrow in that deer. And I'm like, thank you, Captain Obvious. I know. <laughs> thank you for Captain thank Ob- you, thank you for putting the pressure on even more. And I guess the yardage just a little bit short, and I zippered him. Just, just I, I actually hit him, but I opened up his chest cavity. If you look at the picture, that or that when my first arrow hit, then it, like deflected hard and came out we couldn't tell but either way he goes you hit him low he i i'm 99 percent sure i hit him low mm-hmm. we go back and look at um and he goes 10 yards after that shot and then just goes down again but this time now he's at 40 like six yards he's in the super thick grass i can just see his antlers uh he starts putting his head down again We're like okay at least he's hit hard he's sick i'm pretty sure i at this point i thought i just missed him right now the second time so i'm mad at myself for that i'm ranging everything around him so if he stands up again but 20 minutes goes by. I'm like, okay, he's going to die there. He's putting his head down. And then this little buck comes in and just walks right up to him and just starts jacking with him. And then the little buck moves off for a second, but he stands up and starts walking away now. So I have another arrow knocked. I shoot and I hit him that, that third time now enough to where, but he had stepped and he was taking steps and I was shooting and he's walking, but I don't want to do anything to get him to run right so i hit him further back in the leg actually and cut a tendon and so i'm like okay at least that but he goes <laughs> goes just, he goes out of my frame and i can't right, see him now right, right. i'm just like man i keep screwing these shots up right i thought i'd smoked him in the beginning so i go from having like the highest of high of heck yeah i just killed this buck to now i'm like am i gonna get this deer and that first little buck runs off like he's gone and then 30 minutes later another buck comes in and he walks, he's coming right down the trail, but he's coming from the north, and you see his nose go up in the air, and between, he looks over. Between uh, the trees and the fence. Between the f- trees and the oh, fence, and, and he comes path. down, he has his head in the air, and he just looks over, and he starts walking right over there, and then I hear that other buck get up again. I'm like, oh, no, please no. And then I hear something bound off in the, in the leaves, because the leaves are all dry, and you can hear everything, and then I don't hear anything for like 20 minutes. I was like, oh, no. And then I heard something over there again. I was like, ooh. And that buck, like with one last little bit of energy, just kicked a little bit and came out to where I could see his antlers. And he put his antlers down. I saw him and he said, put his head down. And he was done. He was done. And that took the roller coaster back to holy cow. I cannot believe that just happened. Right. Right. Yeah. I remember you texted me saying, his head's down. I think we're good. And I think you guys even gave it a little bit more time. Oh, we gave it another hour. Yeah. Like talking to you, like going back to trevin knows me all too well as soon as i shoot i'm like i gotta put another arrow in him you're like do not for whatever reason get out of that tree stand i'm looking at leave i'm like i want to put another arrow in this deer trevin told me no he goes what are you gonna do i was like i'm gonna sit in the tree stand well i'm gonna stay here because you're right i could have really pushed that buck right and, and, I, in, and, and what I'm thinking is you push that buck, then you you have the due diligence. You need to go follow that buck. And then we're walking right. And then you're walking yep. right. In, no, in, you were 100% right, right on all of that on the way it played out. You right. were, and it 
killed me, but it was 100% the right call to yeah. be for me to sit in there. And it turned out great because I, with as much life as he had I mean, at that point, that was after the second arrow, I could have probably pushed that buck a little bit more than yeah. way more. And he would have gone at least another 100 yards. It would have been way harder to find instead of then he died in my eyesight from the stand. So right, it worked yeah. out great, even with those little bucks mm -hmm. walking around. So, yeah, it was uh, it was a blast. Yeah. And it's uh and you know looking at that buck um you know i know you were pretty much just wanting to kill you didn't care about antler size and stuff like that you were just wanting to kind of follow along with the management plan i think and i'm really really want to send in a tooth matter of yeah, fact i have a tooth from brutus last year that i killed i wanted to send that in too I'm going to send these teeth in. Uh, I think it's like toothage.com or something. There's a website um, that we're going to send these into because I, part of everything we're saying about deer aging is assumption. I would really like, and that's part of the learning curve too, is to be able to test some of what our theory is when it comes to aging deer. Um, here's an example. Your deer. I, I, I text a picture of you with your deer to Adam to and to AR and Trav, Adam says he's a two-year-old deer. AR and Trav say they think he's three. I thought, I, I didn't know the deer. So one of the things is I, I, didn't, I didn't recognize him from anything other than I think two or three days before. The day before. The day no, before I think two or three or days, days before, before Phil had him on camera. Then the uh, okay. day before we got him on camera. So he was traveling through the country, um, but I didn't have any history, you know, going, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I saw that buck um, last year or, you know, this year, at, you know, in July or whatever. So I had nothing to go off of. So, um, you know, he he's either... Uh, a two-year-old, three-year-old, four-year-old. I mean, you know, he's... Yeah, it was he's, funny. He, Phil was... He threw Phil through a loop, and I'm looking, I'm just like, I don't know what he is. I'm, I'm stoked. Right. His heart was massive. Mm -hmm. When I showed Phil the heart, he about, like, his mm -hmm. jaw dropped. He's like, holy cow, that thing is huge. Because his, his antler bases look small. He looks like a two-year-old. You look at his body, and he's sleek, but he's not like a doe with antlers. I mean, he's definitely got a little bit of age on him so you, you start doing all this and what did phil say he's like he's got a huge uh back end. end a huge front end but a, a small, small back, back end, end. Mm -hmm. he said he was just weird mm -hmm. so i i was stoked well with him. and, and i like, think i look at him he was a cold buck that had to go tanner tanner <laughs> tanner said well we won't get into cold bucks because that's a whole other uh, thing but tanner said something that was pretty interesting he said you know one thing i've learned from whitetail is they're all three and a half or they're all five Nobody wants to call him a four and a half. Nobody wants, you know, even a two and a half year old buck is a three and a half year old buck, which basically means he's off limits. And anything that's mature, you want him to be on that five to six age range because you know that, you know, you're safe. That four could be a big three year old, you know? So it, there's that gray line. And, and one of the things that I think it's all great, fine and good, QDMA, Quality Deer Management Association and their standards and all this stuff. But not every property can do that. For example, Adam in Nebraska, first first couple of years, he's surrounded by public land. They just wanted to kill three-year-olds because they're going to get shot the moment they leave the property. Yep. Then he's done enough management and uh, 
I don't want to call it eco work, but the habitat work for sure, he's holding more deer. Now, all of a sudden, they have the ability to bump it up to four and a half, and it's, you know, there's a big difference. Yeah. So you see Adam, like last year, uh, when he shot the wrong buck, it just made a mistake. He thought it was a four-year-old buck that had a similar antler configuration. And, you know, even Adam, who is forgot more about whitetail than I'll probably ever know, made a mistake. So if we sit here and try and draw these hypothetical uh, theories and make them law, uh, we're sucking the fun out of it. Yeah. Right? I mean, this is about hunting. This is about that ability to see a property, go in, and this is why I love whitetail, and I think think you've got a sense of that that now. I love the idea of walking into a fresh, uh, you know, canvas and being able to start with brush strokes, create a, a backdrop that then this beautiful picture can emerge. And I think we're doing that with the history, the more history we have on the property, like uh, my buddy Trav, who's it's his family farm, him and his boys are hunting right now. And I've been able to come back and say, here's where we're seeing this. this is, they saw blades this morning, briefly, didn't no shot, but um, but from afar, they saw blades, he says. You know, it could yeah. be another big deer, but he's just thinking, I saw a big deer in there. So it's kind of cool to be able to see, and I'm hopefully gonna be able to go back um, not this next week, but the next week, and and depending upon what Trav sees and stuff like that, that'd um, be awesome. And maybe see if I can and finish out more. Kansas. Yeah, yeah. What's your uh, what's your plan for Iowa? Iowa looks like uh, we're not going to ATA this year, so I think uh, it was either go to ATA or I'm, I'm going to go back and try you and gotta go kill fill that something. Tag. Yeah, you got to go fill that tag. Yeah, and Missouri's there too. I mean, and both times, if you talk to the gurus i keep going back to the gurus of whitetail because i do not consider myself one um the best time to kill a mature buck is the first 10 days of season and the last 10 days of season now there what is typically the last let's look at iowa what's the last 10 days of season in iowa i think it goes through the 15th of january through the 15th of january so you're talking about hard cold hard hard cold and you're hunting them either in ground blinds or tree stands over food. Okay. So in Kansas, you can put some corn out. That can create uh, instant movement, if you will. Um, baiting, whatever you would call it. And you, we're not going to the baiting thing. Yeah. But um, because the way I normally, when we're hunting, and I love to hunt the rut. That's my favorite time to hunt the rut. Mind you, I just said something contradictory. The best time to kill a buck is first and last. I understand that. But the amount of... There's something about the excitement of deer running around. Oh, I and getting back to Kansas Grunts and my hunt. And that's we were seeing so much deer, man, and it was so cool. And Levi, who hunts whitetail all the time, is like, dude, this property is special. This is cool. He goes, we are seeing a lot of deer movement and not a lot of does. We were seeing a ton of bucks mm-hmm. just moving around, and it was cool to see that and just know one how much you've put into it but just to see all those deer running around and stuff it was cool so yeah the rut i can get why it may not it's a great time to kill but it's just if you see more deer well and and you know i will say this year was special the it was cold and deer moved more in the cold deer are gonna rut they're gonna breed if you if you look at the studies november 6th uh, a lot of studies say november 6th the majority of does get bred on november 6th okay 
Well, that's all fine and good. Well, I look back three, two or three years ago where my dad and I sat, started hunting October 31st, started hunting Halloween, and we hunted through the 7th, I think, and we saw six deer the whole time. Woof. Yeah, you told me about that. But that it was scared hot. the hell out of me it on the way It was 75 there. degrees, you know, so I was happy that we were seeing the kind of deer movement too. That made me, because I, I didn't want you to go and sit in a tree and I know how that property lays out that it is a waiting game. It oh, is that was every other game. whitetail hunting I've done. Granted, you know, for the most part in Nebraska, I sat for four days straight. Two of those days were full day sits, and I shot the first buck that walked in right. front of me four right. days later. That was right. a so, tiny little so guy. It, it seems like it's harder. Deer ma uh, your deer management plan gets less and less important every hour you sit. Wouldn't you agree? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, it, it shouldn't be that way, but that seems like ha how, it, how it happens. And all of a sudden, these bucks that you should be passing become, they look better and better and better. And um, that's a trick of the mind, I know, because I've played it on myself numerous times. And um, I shot a deer out there in 2000, I think 16, that I thought was a four or five-year-old. And it was a mistaken identity, kind of like Adam's deal. We had a buck called Wide Thing, and his antler configuration was out. Like, it just splayed out, and then he had these tines. He was a cool-looking buck. Phil ended up killing him during rifle season. And then we had a buck that looked identical, identical to him, except instead of being a 10-point, he was a 9-point and just an age class lower. And that was a buck we were going to try and not shoot. Well, when the buck ran out, I was sitting in the Jenny gate and he was out there and he was about to hit my cone scent or my scent cone. You know how your cone, yep. your scent kind of goes as a cone. I do And now. I could tell he was going to come walk right into it. And it was a, it was a little ways out there, but I, I felt pretty comfortable with the shot and I was able to shoot him. But I looked at him once with my binos and assumed he was that bigger buck. And it ended up being, I think, I think it was a three-year-old, but he's still a great buck. And when you release the arrow, you're done. Identity theft is deadly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but so so for your first sit there, you um, you, you got I you were you kind of spoiled for that property. Kind of super spoiled. Yeah, I, you saw the best side of it. Oh yeah, yeah. it was it other was than, awesome. Other than other than having blades walk underneath you, you got to see him. Which I did tell you. <laughs> I really didn't want that to happen. I wanted it to happen, yeah, but I would have I much rather with you putting the work into it. I would have felt bad as I shot the arrow, but I still would have shot the arrow. Wow. But because, uh, but yeah. So I'm actually I'm super stoked. I would love to see you go back and kill him, but if you don't, I'm super super stoked yeah. with the way it played out. And then we just sat in the stand for killing does, and that was fun too. Because Phil said, "Hey, I need does shot." You should shoot some does anyway. And I talked to you. You're like, yeah, shoot does. So we sat in the stand. We had to get some B-roll anyway. And it was awesome just to be sitting in the stand and Talk me through a couple does the two, two does you shot. You shot one at the silo. Shot one at the silo. Where did I, I haven't asked you this. So where did that doe come from? Came in from the north. And again, from, again, the silo is another set. It's on the other side, kind of the north side of the same big field you were sitting on at the Jenny Gate. Yep. There's a big silo there, that's what I call it. And we have a little third acre food plot there, which again, um, for those of you listening, we have elk on the property. I know you think we're going crazy, but we are east of Wichita in Eastern Kansas. And we have, a, this year we had a herd of eight, uh, eight elk, two bulls, one spike and cows and calves. 
that decimated our food plots. They the last uh, image we have of them is November second. Normally they come in, they leave middle of October. We never see them again. I've never seen this many together. I'll see a a cow or a cow and a calf or a bull, but I, this year it was really interesting. It goes to show how effective food plots are, especially this year. We, we they came in really good. They just hammered them. And we heard them that first night. Yeah. Oh, was it this, or, you were there when we mm -hmm. heard them. We mm -hmm. heard them bugling. But this just continued with my hunting for the year. Um, I heard elk. I never saw an elk. Right. So uh, <laughs> that just goes with my elk uh, hunting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I, or on property, I could kill them. So mm -hmm. and I couldn't have killed them. But yeah, I, I didn't see an elk there. But we heard them. So that first doe. Shot her there. Made so sure it came Levi in from the north. Came in from the north, like that that draw that comes right by the twisted timber yes, stand. Yes, exactly. Okay, That's exactly right where in. she came from. Mm -hmm. In that draw right there, mm -hmm. I actually was twisted over in the stand to get the shot at her. Make sure Levi had her. Made sure he was running. So slow you motion did you let her get by you and shoot her out in the food plot? No, she wasn't even to the food plot yet. So you're shooting. I'm I'm thinking of where the 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 shooter stand is versus the camera stand. So you're shooting, you're kind of twisting this way, yep. shooting. Okay, gotcha. Yep, and okay. shot her twenty yards, walking, smoked her. Um, which broadhead? Did? I used the uh, I used the fixed blade wasp. The Havilon on that HV? one. And, mm -hmm. oh, that's so cool. Yeah, I was really excited. It she flies. Died. It oh, flies great. Yeah. It, it was it was awesome. It zipped yeah. right through her. She goes like maybe fifty yards, piles up, dies. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Right. And now and that those deer are probably coming from Phil's. Yes, and that's that's and part we're, of the reason we we're sitting there is we we're close to Phil's, and we didn't want to mess with blades at all. Right, and we you talked to you a little north, bit, north and you said, "Hey, that's where I want you guys to stay as yeah. long as the wind's good and stuff." So we stayed away from the ridge line. I never I, that second arrow I shot. I never actually went back and looked for it. I talked to Garrett a little bit, um, but we just didn't want to go mess with it. We didn't right. want to mess with blades at all because we knew that he was traveling back in there, right. staying out there as much as possible. So we, yeah, we just stayed in those north stands as much as we could. And then the next morning we sat. Um, Twisted Timber. Or in one of those, yeah. That was the last morning we sat oh, Twisted Timber. Okay. Oh, maybe it was the next afternoon. I thought you sometime. went to, back to we, the we Jenny. Had to go, we had to go back to town and buy another doe tag. Okay. We did that, got back in the stand, and uh, we saw Blades one more time, and we had texted you. Yeah, that you we were saw sitting. Him. So we were sitting in Jenny Gate. We were sitting in Jenny Gate because that was the only wind we had, and we hear just, we hear two grunts, and then we hear something in the trees just like rustling like crazy. And on that little strip, same out one pops, that out so, pops this doe just full speed right. and right behind her i mean on her tail is this other buck that we didn't recognize and then i'd say 40 yards behind him comes blades and they're all at a full run and he's trying to chase that buck off and that buck's staying hot on that doe and they just run straight across the field into that timber and then we never saw him again i'm just sitting there going that's and the phil, coolest thing i ever seen phil saw the morning that you shot your buck phil was coming out to see if he could get eyes on it remember because yes. I, yep. I called phil and he was coming across the cattle guard onto the property and looked to the left and there was blades with a doe and the doe ran jumped the fence back onto his property blades jumped the fence corralled her brought her back as phil was going by he watched that happen and he just kept going to see if he could help you guys yeah but yeah so then the last morning now levi had already left yeah, Garrett, you Garrett and in. I, Garrett got yep. into town, yep. and we we sat that first night over at Phil's, and we didn't see anything. We'd moved a stand, we'd put a stand in, didn't see anything, which was fine. 
Um, and then the wind was really good for twisted timber. That's about all we had actually. So we go and we sit in twisted timber and we had that one. Was that first, 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 like first light, right? So you got up there with the sun rising. We got in there with the sun rising. Isn't that a beautiful sit? Gorgeous. Looking across the creek and then the sun's rising. Geese landing all over on the other side. The the waterfowl on that property is ridiculous. We should go out there and just blast some waterfowl at some point. We need to go out there and blast some freaking coyotes. Yes, I'm fine on that too. Because that, yeah, we heard a lot of those too. So we are just out there, um, just gorgeous. I'm playing with my camera. He's playing with the camera, just looking for does. We have these does come in. I forgot about this. Um, and it's just like a weird spot where they came in where there's just a lot of like branches coming down, but I think I can get a shot off. And I, I shot and I didn't see this one branch sticking out and my arrow just hit this branch coming down at this doe and it just, my arrow just went end over end and actually like landed at her feet. Um, so I'm like, dang it, but at least we got it on video. Was it down it was in the cool. bottom yes, below Yes, it was you? down in the bottom mm-hmm. below Yeah, us. there's a lot of, yeah. And there was three does in there. And I mean, he goes, oh, it's a good thing you missed the little one. I'm like, I don't care about the <laughs> So we, we're sitting there again. Then a buck comes right up the fence line at us and walks right underneath us, jumps what, the fence. What did he look like, young? He was a two-and-a-half-year-old, right? I mean, very confident with my limited knowledge of saying two-and-a-half-year-old. Yeah, I would um, agree buck did cool he looking antlers did he even look up at you guys no, i had no okay. idea we were good. there we just good. sat there right like i didn't even move from my bow or anything like i mean like, that was your right. typical mid-morning was it nine o'clock yeah, it was nine, nine thirty Mad. heavy rut buck is just cruising just, just looking and he's just, just looking. walking and he could and that's what he was so, doing he was yeah. just looking from yeah. side to side nose up just trying to find something and he went towards where those does came so Gary and I sit in the stand for another half hour, like, ah, let's get out, lower my bow down, turn around, ask him, hey, what do you need for me to help you breaking down? He goes, I think I got to get your stuff down, then we'll do this. Cool. Turn around, I look up, and here comes this doe. And where's she coming from? She's coming from the north at that fence where that buck had jumped over like 30 minutes earlier. I'm like, oh. From Phil's. Dang it. And she's Uh, not that far away. She's not that far. At this point, she's 35 yards. stuff away. You had your bow lowered so down. So I turn around, I'm like, yeah. and I grab him. I'm like, Garrett, 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 Garrett. And I grab his leg and he looks down. I'm like, there's a doe coming. And I'm like, do you have your camera? And he's like, yeah, I haven't taken it down yet. I'm like, okay. I'm like, oh, I don't have my bow though. So I bring my bow up. Did she even bow. look? She No, she's not even looking. Like, And so I, I don't know how we got lucky that she didn't come down that path. She went off to the right to that little ridge where there's that like bank mm-hmm. she goes it's over there it's a perfect there. little path down there they're yeah, either going to come is, right yeah. underneath you or they're going to come 10 yards but they're going to be lo- a lot lower on that trail so she starts coming up that I'm like, all right cool i bring my bow up unhook my bow and then i turn to look at at, at garrett and i'm like i have my hand back and all of a sudden my stand just drops like six inches like snap snap boom, boom. And I was like, holy oh, And there God. was a huge pop that it was, went It was off. loud. Like she, was, I don't know how she didn't hear it or not. Like she, she I stopped. I think she, she spooked and she like jumped forward towards us. But and she didn't know where it came from. But it was almost like a 22 going off. It was that loud. One of the cables to my stand just snapped. And I was really happy that you were very adamant about me wearing yeah, uh, a harness. And not only a harness, be. that safety line going up, which always. is really awesome. Mm-hmm. And so if I hadn't been wearing that, that would have been it for me. I would have been holding on to the train, like, okay, we're getting down. But I was like, well, at least I have the harness on. And I'm double tied in. I'm tied into the safety line, and I'm tied into the strap around the tree. So Garrett goes, she's still coming. 
and I was like, okay. And I, so my heart rate is just spiked. I mean, through the roof from this. So I just grab an arrow out and put it on and it gets in that stress factor where like fine motor skills like it took me a second to get that arrow on it was almost like the alpha been bow there, hunting been there done it, was, it was like yeah. alpha bow hunting mm-hmm. like i was like okay i've been here my heart rate is spiked for a different reason but it spiked before i get it on i get my release on and i'm looking at garrett i'm like hey do you got her and he's like yeah and she walked out this little opening and i just smacked her 20 seconds later it was so cool, man. It and was, I, was, I was so amped up. I yeah. was more amped than when I shot my buck. It was yeah. so cool. She, what, 15 yards? If that. Uh, if that. Yeah. I mean, so it was, it was a give me shot. And what'd you shoot well, her with on that? That I shot her with a jackknife okay. because that's all I had left, I think. I think I'd screwed up my wasp, my my second wasp. Your Havilon. The Havilon mm-hmm. with the, so I, that was the jackknife, which I, I love that broadhead. Oh, it's dude. a great broadhead, yeah. Um, And it just zipped her and she dropped like right there. I mean, maybe two yards and just down and i'm just sitting there shaking like oh i just about fell out of my tree um uh, i don't know how i didn't fall off the end and then actually use my harness on that i would try to shoot her you know sideways or something but it, it, uh yeah it was fun so then gary and i are like oh let's get out of the tree and we lowered everything down got out and walked over drug her out and then you guys were on your way back so yeah, a by then hours. we decided that with blades on his feet, you having killed and you guys, you were fixing to head out. We need to get back. back because we didn't see anything in Iowa. That's we crazy. saw one, one three-year-old chasing does for a split second at last light, and he ran a doe into the food plot and ran her out, and then that's it. And we were hardly even seeing does. So I think it was lockdown, and the even the deer that he had on camera for this area he was showing me didn't compare to the blades so i'm like i asked him steve noble who's with maxima outdoors he's a good buddy and i said here's the situation i mean i'm so appreciative of you letting me come and hunt your ground and, and all the work you've put into it but here's what i got and he's like dude get in your car tomorrow morning and i had been the night before and he said and you guys had told me you'd seen him again yep and i'm we were headed to kansas so yeah, so we that was the end of the hunt. Um, we packed up. You went to film Adam, in yeah. Adam in Nebraska, and you guys stayed there and kept hunting. And yeah. I came home, and and that's the next podcast. We go into that. Yeah, it's been it was an exciting, uh, exciting whitetail rut. Um, you know, I, I I'm fingers crossed. My season's not done. I'm hoping there's another podcast that'll follow this one where I can actually. Uh, close seal the deal on a mature buck in either Iowa, Missouri, or Kansas. But um, this is the first year I've had such a great opportunities and yet haven't shot a deer. So, you know, that's just the thing. It's, it was a great, great hunt. If you had a couple of things that you could tell somebody coming from a Western based who doesn't have a lot of experience with the whitetail. What are some of the things from this that you could, that you gathered, that you learned that you could pass on? Talk to somebody that can explain the wind. And like for me, elk hunting, playing the wind is completely different than playing the wind in a tree stand. And why you want your wind to blow out more into like an open field if you can than into the travel corridors, that is really important. It's not like you can just move and make the wind right. You got to get your tree, you got to get in the right tree stand with the right wind. That to me, like you explaining that to me in a way that I could wrap my head around it and see, and then having Levi in the stand, and I think I talked to Garrett about it in the stand, 
it was nice to have people explain to me why and yeah that whole area right there that was awesome for me too and then um i think another piece of advice you had was get some games on your phone i downloaded risk it was awesome yeah i did hear um, i did hear you broke the record i that i previously held for the amount of time getting into the stand to the, my first to playing my first game it was pretty quick uh, apparently in my defense that. it was already we were just doe hunting i wasn't really looking for bucks but <laughs> i just feel i appreciate you doing that because i had literally i've got about a 30 to 40 minute attention span before i'm garrett was scrabble. laughing at me garrett was laughing oh, it was badly but here's it the deal really here's the deal <laughs> what's supposed to tell him if i don't then i fidget yeah, and, and I'm move, the same way. Right. And I'm constantly, oh, I'm going to get a drink of coffee now. Well, I just had a drink of coffee. Or, or, or even worse, I've seen you do this. You call. You call too much, in my opinion. I've seen you do that because you're looking for something to do. You want to make I'm going to make something happen. happen. And this mm-hmm. game was kicking my butt. I don't do that as much <laughs> and anymore. I, really I probably called to. three times yep. this whole year. I noticed that. Because I think I've learned that too. Yep. But I really wanted to beat this game. Oh, so you had a it good It was one. kicking my butt, so yeah. I really wanted to try and figure See, it out. See, and for me, so. talking about games that you play, I've read, read, uh, re- read, reading can be good. I used to use Louis L'Amour books because I could read a page and look up which, you know, gave me about 35, 45 seconds. Now on my phone, it's too quick to read just a page, you know, scroll. So so what I end up, when I'm reading, I end up getting into the story and I realize it's been five minutes since I looked up. That was my problem too. So I have to find games where I have built in lookup times. And Risk is perfect for that because you do your little thing and then it's the computer's turn. Mm-hmm. And during the computer's turn, you look around. You're looking around right. for like 30 seconds. See, for me, Scrabble, I like to play Scrabble too. But the problem with Scrabble is what if you get a word, you have a seven letter word, but you don't know where you can play it. So then you spend yourself 10 minutes trying to figure out where to play it. And then you <laughs> then you play it and then you look uh, up and you're like, eh, it's been 10 minutes. So Solitaire is almost the perfect game for me and Yahtzee. Oh, I didn't download the ads. And, 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 and because you pl- make your play, look up. You make your play, you look up. You make your play, you look up, right? It's not this super engaging, uh, you know. The problem with me with books is I get way too mm-hmm. into books. Like mm-hmm. I like Brad Thor's books and stuff. Scott or, Harvest. Dude, yeah. yeah, you just get into mm-hmm. it. Right. And then, or like Vince Flynn, same thing. Yeah. And you're just into it. Mitch and you're just reading. Yes, those, dude. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're just reading it. And mm-hmm. it's like. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's the I'm through a chapter. I guess I should look up for a second. Yeah. And and so. a good example of that is when when Tanner and I were sitting there, and the that the Ninja Nine came by, when he came by, and I'm not saying it would have been any different had I seen him coming through the alley, but because I would have had to move to get my bow, and he was 20 yards from us, less than that, 12 yards from us, but both Tanner and I look up, and he's moving through. I mean, he's coming by. And by the time now the tree's blocking, I grab my bow and come around and he never stops. By the time I try or I'm going to try and stop him, I don't, I know I don't even have a shot, so I don't even try and stop him. I just let him go. Um, We didn't even get him on camera. That's how quick he came through. But um, had we known it in years past, um, I've looked up and there's a buck standing there. The same thing happened to me with later on when I when I had that encounter with the Ninja Nine there in the teacher stand. I was literally texting. Adam had just shot a buck in Kansas, and he texted it to me. And he goes, "Hey, here's my my Kansas blades, my Kansas blades." And it's a, a really good buck he shot, and he has bladed and stuff like yeah. that. 
and I'm texting him going, oh, that's a great buck. What are you seeing happening? Are you grunting? Are you calling? What are you doing? This and that. Because he's talking about his tactics. And I look up, and the Ninja 9 is standing down there, you know, just off of that ridge. And, and luckily, I happened to look up, and I, I told him, yeah. Tanner, I'm not kidding you. Tanner is, you know, Tanner likes to eat. Tanner's a, he's not as bad as Jordan Brown. <laughs> you know, Jordan, <laughs> Jordan gets, gets real hangry when he's hungry. But Tanner had, we had pizza in tinfoil that we, because we were going to sit all day. Actually, we weren't going to, we were going to sit all day, but then at about 1130, we were like, man, let's get out of the stand and go get some, some you know, our coffee. We run out of coffee. It's still cold. Let's just get out. And I said, no, let's just, let's tough it out. You know, midday action. This is when we're going to see midday action. And we hadn't seen anything all morning other than a couple small bucks cruising through. And uh, Tanner is opening his tinfoil when I say, big buck, big buck. And he thinks I'm kidding because he's opening his tinfoil. And he turns and looks. Oh, so then he just sets it down, grabs the camera. And, and that's where we got that whole encounter and got good video of it. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. They just appear. I, I'm convinced 90% of the time, if you think you're hearing a deer coming, it's probably a squirrel. Because oh, yeah, deer are just, so they don't make any noise. I mean, they are so quiet moving through the, unless they're chasing. Yeah, if they're, they're chasing, chasing a buck, you know. It's, it's thump, yeah. thump, thump, thump. Okay, Lane, you got to be completely honest about this. If you had to sit in a tree stand for an entire day from sun up to sundown, no phone, no book, no nothing. In terms of difficulty, zero being easy, 10 being the most difficult thing you've ever done. I have no you... problem telling you that that is like a nine and a half. I don't know what the most difficult thing I've done is, but that ranks high on there. I did that once in Nebraska, not like my phone died and my Kindle died. And that last two hours was horrible. <laughs> oh, it was bad, dude. You're not I wanted to get out. No, I'm not. No, uh-uh. No, I know I have ADHD or something. My kid has got it, like... Same way. He is actually, like, diagnosed with it or whatever, but, like, I know growing up, my mom just didn't believe in medication for that kind of stuff, so it was, hey, learn to deal with it. And, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, no. Mm -mm. Test I'm your, out. See, I can patience. sit there. I can glass for, like, a mule deer or a sheep or a mountain goat. You put me, I'll sit there for four days, for, not for four days, for four hours, five hours before I want to move. I'll pick yeah. that, I will pick that area apart looking for a deer. Because you can't you're, do that whitetail hunting. Well, dude. you're actively engaged when you're yes. glassing. Yeah, my, right? I, I'm, yeah, I don't need my phone on that. Like, I, I like being without service and stuff. I'm the exact opposite in a tree stand. I want cell phone service, which Kansas doesn't have, but nope. at least I have risk. And uh, books. I had I'd packed Jocko's newest book, so I was reading that, and that was yeah, it was good. But yeah, you mm -mm, that's I, a nine I, and a half. I think I can relate with Lane, and I think I can bring it to a three now. This has my been my transformation over the past five years. I actually look forward to the the solace, the quiet. Um, one thing I do look forward to, and this is maybe not be the best answer, but I, I'm kind of ready to just sit. I've been on a lot of hunts that the physicality is a lot higher. And the thought of, uh, of clicking the switch in my mind to the chess game versus, uh, you know, football, hardcore, 
put your head down, hit hard. You know, that's that's mule deer hunting in the high country. I was country. ready for that. I was ready for that so, after my hunting this year. If you're able to understand how to switch. Now, I, I say that with a three with one caveat. Let's put an asterisk next to that as long as I have my phone. No, no, no phone. he said with no phone. No phone. Oh. He said no phone. No. No, so, no Let book. me tell you why I say that. I forgot my phone one morning. Yep. And I almost yep. turned around and went back, but we were almost there. And I said, you know what, dadgummit, I, I, what, whatever happened when guys hunted without a phone? This is stupid. I'm going, let's go. That whole morning, I had to, I actually practiced some meditation because I fidgeted more that morning. And then I, and I, I would catch yeah. myself fidgeting and I'm like, I'm just fidgeting because I'm bored. So then I tried it, some breathing techniques and, you know, kind of goofy. I just was playing. I was just trying to get myself to sit still. I just have a hard time. So I, with the caveat, the asterisk is that with no phone, using that criteria, then I'd say I'm still at a six. But I've come a long ways. I've I come a long ways. I agree. Even the four years that I've been mm -hmm. in a whitetail stand with you, for sure. Yeah. Part of that is uh, understanding how the whole big picture works. And understanding that whitetail is a matter of, of it's a matter of percentage of time you spend in the tree. You can, I can't physically make that deer do anything. I mean, you even think, well, in Kansas you can put out corn. No, not for a mature buck. He no, that, that doesn't matter. Thing, it, it, that doesn't I've, matter. As as little knowledge as I have on this deer hunting and stuff, though the the bait piles whatever you want to call them the corn piles like that's not usually going to bring in the bucks that's going to bring in some does but those bucks learn pretty fast right that something's up there and, and they're not going to be coming and if into you that realize the, they're not coming into it for the corn i did not go and put a ton of corn out did i no what we had matter of fact when i hunted after you the corn was almost gone that we had add out and i didn't put any more and here's why we've already created a travel corridor for the does the does come in, the young bucks come in, and they are are coming in for that food source. I mean, if you look at the actual nutritional value of corn for a deer, it's not that great. It's kind of like candy corn is for a human, <laughs> you know, except mm -hmm. that I hate candy, candy corn. corn. But you know what I mean? It's it's a it's not that great of a nutrient, but it is something, it's an easy source. And especially with having uh, some of the ag that we normally would have in either beans or corn this year was out i just wanted to create that corridor once those does create that pathway then, the then bucks now now the bucks are they're going to do is they kind of use it for, for for a hub each one is a starbucks if you will you know they go sniff around any does in heat in here nope okay they're going to go to the next one and you see the way they walk or they won't go to the station they'll walk down downwind of it yep and they won't even stop so you're like well why am i not getting these bucks on camera well because they're not coming into the camera where the bait is they're just cruising where and getting the wind and they're moving because it's all about covering country for them to find that next hot doe so um i think it's it's definitely a unique way of having it and and, and like i said i i have yet to shoot a deer off a corn pile um you know that came in strictly to feed now i will say this that the ninja nine that came in below us that's he definitely came in and he did have a couple nibbles 
but he was mainly primarily also sniffing around a lot. You gotta eat some candy corn every once yeah, in a while. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's one thing to to walk through the party and grab a handful as yeah. you're going through, but it's another to camp at the at the bowl. Now, if that was chips and salsa, mm, mm. those bucks would be hanging out. But. I think think of food plots, chips and salsa. I think food plots definitely, especially in in January and February, they're going to be the only game in town. So, well, it will be interesting to see. Well, it was exciting, and I'm glad that you uh, were able to see what you see. But I'm also glad that you were able to take a buck that you were pleased with. Oh, I'm so stoked! Um, I, I got him home. Like, I already had him boiled out. I already have everything set up with him. Like, it was yeah. I'm so stoked. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. It's uh, got to hit up Rob for a skull hooker. I gotta. I'm, I can't wait to put him up. He's actually going in the house. It'll, it's gonna be sweet. I've got a couple that are a little bit bigger than him in the bone pile. If you want, I know. <laughs> I know. But you know what? It, it doesn't matter size. No, I'm stoked with him. Um, you know, it's beauty's the eye of the beholder. An adventure, depending upon what you're dealing with, is all in the situation and what you have to compare it to the amount of time you have to have that adventure you know in a situation where guys get off of work and they've got a, a, you know two weeks of, of vacation the whole year okay Poor and they're guys. they went to elk hunt they went to mule deer hunt you know those two or three days you get to do that each time i mean that's that's all you got guys rifle hunt not as much because they don't like boning they rifle because they don't have enough time time to get out there and it's going to put a little bit hopefully a little bit into their favor and being able to reach out and touch something um so uh, there's no 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 shame whatsoever in in any type of uh, legal weapon it's amount of time that you have to participate in that hunt so and you even you had limited you weren't going to be able to be there as long as i was so you know the four or five days you had penciled in since yeah. You drew the tag. Yeah. We wanted to, to make it count, make it count and, and have that really amazing experience, which you did. So I'm glad. I'm glad that you oh, did. Oh, I had a blast. I'm so, so stoked you had me no, out let there. Let me throw this it. out it there was... to you guys. They're kicking around that bottom field, putting it back into CRP instead of farming it because it's so hard to get the big tractors in there. They have to use these little tractors to get it in there. You know how hard it is mm-hmm. to get up. You got to go oh, up yeah. the, by the, the Jenny barn and go in there. And some of the, some of the big tractors can't even make it. They have to take the fence down there across the cattle guard, you know, where you go yeah. into the initial. So I was talking to Travis and, um, you know, his family, of course, is the one that owns the farm and they're kicking around the idea of, of, do we put it, do we, do we do some work to expand it, to put it back into uh, I think it might be beans next year. I don't know. Maybe they can come back and plant corn again since they didn't. But into an agricultural uh, crop or do they go back into the CRP program? They're going to make less money for it, but they're not going to have to do all this work to expand everything to get the, you know. For me, I have mixed feelings. I do too. I have no idea. Okay. Well, that's good. Do they plant anything with the CRP or is they just no. planting grass or they well, just they, leave they, it? They plant a CRP mix. It's yeah, an approved C- county yeah. mix that comes back with some but natural grass. it's not going to give a lot of feed for those deer. It's not going to be huge on feed. There will be some feed, but the main thing I see in the CRP is cover. And that's the one thing that we lack on that property. We do have some timber, but we don't, we used to have, you know, that draw that goes out to that oak grove over there yep. around that used to be thick with stuff. Well, they came in and cleaned it out. There's not a lot of cover on the property. And if they put that in CRP, you're talking about bedding. You're talking about holding a lot more does. So part of me is like, uh, that would be awesome. 
yeah to turn that whole area into a crp it would end up going back to native what you didn't see is there's a little if you go around that field and go back there's a little area that they go back through and there's probably 10 acres that's kind of on its own that we've always thought it'd be great to hunt this because it's secluded but to get back there it's so hard but just the bedding area that that would create i just think it would be phenomenal so i'm kind of leaning towards hoping that they put it back into crp but it'll take three or four years to get the growth yeah so what do you what's you what's your mixed feelings what do you think i'm thinking of it purely in terms of hunting right like i'm not looking at a financial standpoint at all we've had properties in wisconsin that have gone back and forth between crp and food sources and when they're in the food sources whether that's turnips beans corn whatever the hunting late season is phenomenal like you were saying earlier about killing a big buck in iowa late season is the time to do it that's when those food sources come into play when they're in food sources during the period of the rut we don't see nearly as much activity in there when they're in crp during the rut those fields are on fire and they are on fire all day long and to me I, i see that as a community spot where those are coming through they're either a looking for bedding or as they cruise through there's that much more area that they can leave scent at least that's my theory on it and you have bucks cruising through there all day long checking things but then take that crp field in january february whenever that late season is and then it's it's pretty much dried up again but because trev and lane you guys are hunting almost strictly during the rut in kansas i think the biggest benefit for that property would be have that yeah. crp there yeah i agree i agree and i would even then investigate in if in that situation i would investigate uh, a few strategies of putting some more stands around yep. and yep. i would be doing some mowing of trails in that crp so i would create some x patterns in that crp that would create easy travel routes yep. Yep. and again if you uh, a deer in its natural uh state will just like a cow or a elk or a human will take the path of least resistance while traveling so you give a couple of these different travel routes where you've gone in there and mowed stuff down and made it a simple easy to walk you're going to get you're going to create travel routes that would allow us again a little bit more uh, you know bullets in your revolver so to speak to control deer movement so uh, that's my thought but i don't know what's going to happen we'll see yeah that's out of your control yeah, that's out of my control and i'm i'm just blessed to be able to have access to that property and be able to invest in it and that's what we have i mean if you look at the money we've invested in time and i don't know how you know the stands we have there now next for next year there's a lot of work that needs to be done to the stands those stands are five years old some of them and you saw i mean we've already fixed already replaced the stand that broke for you but when we were hunting tanner and i he had another camera stand where the same thing happened the the wire cable broke and um I've got an email into Twisted Timber, which unfortunately they're not in business anymore, just to see if they have any extra cables or stuff like that. Or I'm going to have to just start replacing stands with other stands, which yeah. is what it is. It's just part of the, the cost mm-hmm. of doing business. But 
So, well, it was great. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining me. Oh, for, thank you, for man. That, man. I can't that thank was... you enough, man. That was I had so much fun out there. It was it was a blast. Yeah, yeah, and it was I had way it was... more fun than I thought whitetail hunting could be. The only thing that I would have changed is I wish you could have been in camp more. Right, but yeah. it was yeah, it, it was so awesome. Well, and, and you know, if hindsight was twenty twenty, I would have never left. Yeah, even if in the situations where we only had that south wind, and and you know, yeah, but it would have been rough if you had, if you'd stayed, and then you were getting text messages of bucks that we've seen on camera. You just never know. It, yeah. it's hindsight's yeah. twenty twenty, man. Yeah, yeah, good but stuff. Thank good you. Stuff. You got it, buddy. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed it. Um, that uh, make sure you you tune into. Uh, podcast 67 because that is going to be an in-depth overview with tanner and i of of our hunt coming back when we came back to kansas and uh, as always we encourage you to find what stirs your soul what wild place stirs your soul embrace it god bless and we will see you down the trail